0: hello and welcome to the dcu national center for family business podcast in association with the national forum for the enhancement of teaching and learning in higher education and aib bank on the 25th of january the ncfb launched its report surviving a crisis as a family business the survey had two main aims firstly to conduct the first all island research study that assess the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on Irish family businesses, and secondly to understand how family business teams respond during crisis.
1: Hello everybody and welcome um, to the National Centre for Family Business here at DCU. My name is Eric Clinton, I'm the Director of the NCFB um, You're really welcome to this webinar series, and this webinar series is built on research we've done as a centre for family business uh, in DCU, as I mentioned. It's about surviving a crisis as a family business, and the particular focus of today's webinar is accessing financial supports for your family business. Um, We've got three uh, industry experts with very different uh, expertise in particular. You're going to hear from John Madigan, who's from the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland. John is the head of marketing, research, finance, and operations. He's going to tell you a little bit about what programs are there for the from the SBCI today and, and also into the future. We're going to hear from Lorraine Green, who's head of SME engagement at AIB. So as we know, AIB have branches right across the country, both north and south. Um, so you're going to hear from Lorraine's experience of working with SMEs in the country. And then last, we have Thomas Kerrigan, who's the managing director of Niall Kerrigan & Sons. Um, Niall Kerrigan and Sons is a fantastic family business from not so far from the university here in Lusk uh, in County Dublin. And what's particularly relevant for for Thomas and his business is their business applied for the government credit guarantee scheme. So you're going to hear from Thomas and his experience of actually using these state supports uh, to to not just sustain, but also to grow their family business into into the future. I mentioned this is a webinar series. So what we did as as a research centre in DCU. Last year, in collaboration with AIB and with the University of Ulster, we looked at specifically family firms and family firms today have been through crises before. And the very, very important thing, if you are a current or a next generation family members, you've got to learn from them. You have to learn from the crisis. So whether it's you take a piece of paper, you write it down, you put it on your wall, start to think about the lessons learned. Your parents, your grandparents will tell you about the oil crisis. They'll tell you about the tough times in the 80s. They'll tell you about the financial crisis, for example, of the 2008 era. So for you, this is your time. Think about the crisis itself. So we did that and we went out to to the the country, both North and South. And we looked at, and worked with 251 family farms. As I mentioned, work with the University of Ulster. So, to give you some context, here in the Republic, 64% of our firms are family firms. In the North, it's a little bit higher, it's 74%. But we asked them, what are the issues? What do you see when you reflect on your business? What's coming to the fore? And for them and for the family businesses, eight themes came to the fore. And I want to tell you about the eight themes. And today's focus is on one of those eight themes. The first one is around benevolent leadership. And if you haven't seen it, we had a conference probably three or four weeks ago now um, in DCU. And it was live streamed. And one of the family businesses that spoke on it was the CISC family. And J.P. Sisk spoke about, the, you know, many of you know them, the CISC as a leading Irish, but European and international construction company. But they talked about being a family business and the century old family business they have and what it means to leadership in the business and the employee Programs they have, and I know it's being viewed and shared by other family businesses, and they were saying that's really comforting. We're a family business. We're involved in the communities. We're right across this country, and what the initiatives they've done. If you haven't seen the video, I hugely encourage you to see it and maybe share it with your board or your family business council on it, and it's benevolent leadership. The second theme we see was effective communication. Communication with your family, most importantly, communication, and it ties into today's conversation, today's topic. We're all about government supports today, state initiatives. That's a big decision. So a family has to get unified as such about that, that decision. So the importance of communication. Taking a step back from many of the families who was looking, not just working in the business, but working on the business. Kind of thinking about, that's the way we do business. Is that necessarily the right approach? We're currently this model of, of, of doing business. This is how we generate revenues, or this is how we deal with customer service. Why do we do that? Can we improve it? Other theme that came out about was employee commitment and the long-standing employees many of you have. Another term we have, and you can read it in our report, is around familiness and the importance of being a family business. And familiness, for many of you might have never heard that word before, but familiness is a unique resource. And one of the aspects of familiness, and there are many, but one of them is how family businesses here in Ireland, but right across the world, use their reputation. The association with the family and the brand, and for many of our family business in the agri-food space, the brand association with the product is fundamental. The sixth theme we had was seeking outside advice and financial supports. The seventh was innovation and adaptability and the need for you hear it in, in, in today's webinar. I'm sure many times it's a need to pivot. And then the last one is this kind of the resilience, the function and, and the belief in the family business and the desire to see its continuity across across generations. So that's some of the key themes, but I mentioned to you at the outset, the focus of our today's uh, webinar is accessing uh, financial uh, supports on it, I'm gonna uh, call on our first speaker now is John Madigan. And um, John, you're very welcome uh, to today's webinar. And uh, so the Strategic Banking Corporation of Ireland um, was set up in 2015 really to assist SMEs in particular um, with financial supports and about lending, and, 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 and I suppose growing and sustaining our Irish family firms. So you have a lot of experience, but notably around this COVID pandemic, the SBCI has had a big impact about lending to Irish family businesses in particular. You might share some insight with us. So, John, you're very welcome.
2: Thanks very much, Eric, um, and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, we really appreciate being able to engage with family businesses. And I suppose just in terms of context for what the SPCI does, it's worth noting that in two thousand and eight, you know, prior to the financial crisis, the SME loan book uh, in Ireland was about thirty-six billion euros. As it stands today, it's actually less than fifteen billion euros. So it actually gives a very clear demonstration of the um, reluctance of SMEs to borrow and. Maybe this uh, idea that uh, post-financial crisis, um, doing things out of your own cash flow is actually a better way of uh, approaching your investment. Now, we're here to try and I suppose dispel that idea and to say that there is a place for debt in every business, as long as it's debt that can be serviced, Um, but it should allow a business to grow optimally and actually keep cash reserves in place for such things as crises that emerge um, two of them being Brexit and obviously the COVID-19 pandemic as well. So just to give you a quick intro, as Eric said, we're in business about seven years, nearly seven years at this point in time. We do three things. We do lending, risk sharing, and service provision. Lending effectively means that we get funding from uh, Europe, or from uh, funding and debt management as part of the NTMA. We get that business as we are effectively the same rating as a government, uh, we can actually borrow that uh, money on the market at a quite a low price. And what we do is we pass that discounted lending on to our banks and non-banks partners, uh, and whatever discount they receive, that must be passed on to the end-user SME. So that's our, our lending, our discounted lending, uh, and that covers in the main, at the moment, asset finance, invoice financing, uh, hire purchase. If we then move on to risk sharing, Risk sharing is where we actually take part of the risk away from both the bank and from the end user SME by providing a government or a government and EU partial guarantee to the bank uh, to allow the bank to lend to businesses. Now, this is particularly um, relevant for family businesses and particularly in light of COVID and also in light of Brexit, because all the schemes that we have brought to market in the last two and a half years have carried an 80% guarantee, which effectively means that uh, 80% of the loan is guaranteed uh, by the government or by a combination of government and Europe. And as well as that, in all of our schemes, we also have a limit under which uh, the bank cannot insist on security, cannot ask for for security. And I'll cover those in a bit more detail when we get into the individual loan schemes. The last point here is service provision and effectively, It just means that we actually were set up to take over the running of the original credit guarantee scheme, um, which has now morphed into the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme. So just to give you a sense as to the scale of what we do, uh, it's worth noting that AIB are featuring here under both our liquidity operations and under our risk sharing operations, AIB have been with us since effectively the start, beginning of two thousand and fifteen, and have been a really important partner for the SPCI um, for the last six and a half years. In terms of the key business highlights, effectively since we uh, started operations in March two thousand and fifteen, up to two thousand up to November two thousand and twenty one. Across all our schemes, we have actually uh, injected $2.63 billion into the Irish market, and that has supported more than 38,000 individual loan facilities. This also does not include the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme, which has seen more than half a billion drawn by 7,500 SMEs, and you'll hear later from um, a recipient of that credit guarantee scheme through AIB. And we now work with 34 different on lenders. So, in terms of how did we react when COVID-19 hit, the, our ability to flex you know, our business model and react very quickly, which is what we have been set up to do, which is to try and react to market failures or to, or to specific crises in the finance market. Within two weeks of the initial lockdown back in March uh, last year, we were able to actually introduce uh, a COVID-19 working capital loan scheme Uh, to provide instant support to impacted uh, businesses. Now, initially, that was done very quickly. So um, what we had to do then was actually look at the other schemes and see was there something else that we could build and actually introduce to help uh, support SMEs. July 2020, we extended the Future Growth Loan Scheme, our long-term investment scheme, by an additional 500 million euros. And then in September 2020, there was a lot of feedback from SMEs and from the banks that a three-year scheme was actually too short for a lot of businesses, given the level of uncertainty that businesses were actually dealing with. So we um, rebuilt a scheme and we built it as a five and a half year uh, credit guarantee scheme. And that has actually proven to be, in terms of numbers of SMEs benefiting, that has proved to be our most successful scheme at this point in time. And then in October, 2021, we utilized the European Guarantee Fund, which was the emergency, fund in Europe to deliver the 330 million Brexit Impact Loan Scheme. And then as you see during the period we've also added a number of new on-lender partners as well. So the current schemes that are available to SMEs in the Irish market. Effectively we have two medium-term schemes and a little bit of a a long-term scheme available. So the medium-term schemes are the COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme, the Brexit Impact Loan Scheme and the longer term scheme then was the Future Growth Loan Scheme. Focusing on the Covid Credit Guarantee Scheme of which you know um, you've seen already more than seven and a half thousand SMEs have benefited already from this. This is a government support, this has nothing to do with Europe and the government are actually taking the risk on the 80% guarantee on a fund of two billion euros and there was some initial feedback that there was a low take up on the scheme but I'm delighted to say You'll see in a little while uh, just the uh, increased take up on that and how valuable it has been uh, for SMEs. So, this support features our facilities from uh, 10,000 up to um, 1 million. It's terms ranging from three months up to five and a half years. And I also mentioned earlier that there was a limit under which loans would be unsecured. And on the credit guarantee scheme, uh, loans up to 250,000 euros are unsecured. And also, very importantly, There is an ability to refinance and roll over finance agreements uh, for COVID-19 related expenses that were initially funded through maybe the shorter term COVID working capital scheme or um, an overdraft, which is a very popular product obviously in uh, Ireland. The scheme uh, initially available up until the end of 2021 has now been extended until the middle of 2022 uh, and the legislation to enact that will be going through in the next uh, couple of weeks. So in terms of who can apply, you know, viable micro SMEs and small mid caps that meet the eligibility criteria. And the it's quite simple, really, this scheme, if your turnover or your profit has been negatively impacted by a minimum of 15% as a result of COVID-19, then you may be eligible to apply. And the definition of viable as well is that the business was viable at the end of 2019, and is likely to be viable again, because every business knows that, you know, in 2020, um, you know, that's not a year to actually declare whether you're viable or not without government support. So the bank will look back at how the business was performing at the end of December 2019. And then look at the business plan for recovery. Uh, and that will determine whether or not the business is eligible for the scheme. In terms of the criteria, the scheme has been built with uh, the idea that we will give SMEs the best possible chance of qualifying. Now, the actual maximum loan uh, cannot exceed 1 million euros, but it's determined by the greater of double the borrower's annual wage bill for 2019 or 25% of the borrower's total turnover in 2019. So whichever of those is the greater, obviously subject to the business being able to uh, repay its debt, that will actually be the qualifying eligible amount. There are two scheme costs involved in this one because it's set up as a credit guarantee scheme and not one of our other schemes. Uh, there's an interest rate and then there's a premium rate. Now the interest rate, we've seen sub 3% rates and each uh, bank uh, promoting the scheme or will actually determine what rate it charges, but it has to reflect the value of the 80% government guarantee that's in place. The premium rate um, is actually built on the basis of the size of the business number one and the term of the loan. And you can see here that basically the longer the loan and the bigger the the business, the more expensive the premium. So if you're looking at your typical SME who wants to borrow for five and a half years, the actual premium rate on top of the interest rate will be 0.68%. So again, not a significant cost. uh, And that actually is the cost of providing the 80% a guarantee to that SME. For small mid caps, it's slightly higher. So in terms then of how do you apply for the COVID nineteen credit guarantee scheme? Usually our schemes have a two part application process, but in this case, in order to save SMEs time because of the, you know the the crisis around accessing finance, um, the bank has actually taken on the eligibility process, and in this case, it'll be AIB who will actually do the eligibility process for you. So it's a one step application process, you go directly to AIB to process your application. So to give you a sense around the businesses engagement, you know, we're nearly up at 8000 SMEs who have actually drawn down the loans. Now that's, that's a really significant piece, because a lot of times you'll see loans sanctioned, but this is actually loans drawn. So more than 7,700 SMEs have drawn funding to the value of more than half a billion euros with an average loan size of about 68,000 euros. And you can see right across the, the sectoral breakdown, uh, the numbers of businesses and the type of businesses that are availing of the scheme. And just to say, there's about 10,000 or more than 10,000 um, SMEs that have been sanctioned on this with about 750 million. So for a scheme that had um, a, you know, a slow start, it has now become a huge support for SMEs uh, across the, um, the island of Ireland. The other thing to say then is in the last while we've introduced Brexit Impact Loan Scheme, which again, we're partnering with AIB. The loans are between 25,000 and one and a half million per eligible applicant. These loans now are going out to six years. And again, this is as the direct feedback of the uh, regarding the original Brexit Loan Scheme, which was loans that up to three years. Again, banks and SMEs said too short, too big an impact on my cash flow we need to extend those loans. So we listened and we extended that term out to six years. And on this scheme, the loans are secured unsecured up to 500,000 euros. So that effectively means no personal guarantees, no additional security required. If you have um, how you are able to demonstrate sufficient repayment capacity and the, the bank is happy with the um, the application, then no security will be required. This is a variable interest rate. And again, we're seeing rates sub 3% on this. Again, the loans on this one are available up to the end of December 2021, but highly likely that this scheme will be extended until the middle of 2022, and we expect that to happen in the next week. So in terms of the loan purpose on this, it's working capital and investment loans. There's a 100% refinance of existing SBCI Brexit loan scheme facilities if people wish to do this, and there's potentially up to 30% refinance of other existing lending. They are non-BLS facilities, but again, It's just a feature of the the loan scheme that's there, um, and you can talk to your existing bank about that. Businesses engagement, this is only launched a month, and you can see we've had more than 350 applications in. We've had eligibility of codes issued of 296, and there's 5 million uh, already uh, sanctioned under this particular scheme. So we're beginning to see a material pick up on this scheme in the last uh, two weeks in particular. And again, the key features on the Future Growth Loan Scheme, which is only available now um, through one particular provider, and it's a very limited amount that's available. But we are conducting a survey at the moment with the people that have availed of the Future Growth Loan Scheme to see what's necessary in terms of a scheme replacement, which may happen towards the back end of next year or early in two thousand and twenty-three. This was our long-term investment scheme, seven to ten years, loans unsecured up to five hundred thousand euros. And then initial maximum interest rates four and a half for up to 250,000, and 3.5 and for loans equal to or greater than two hundred and fifty thousand. And the take up on this scheme has been huge. And you can see that three and a half thousand uh, loans have been sanctioned under this particular scheme. Seven hundred and fifty million sanctioned. Average loan size is bigger on this scheme because it's a seven to ten year loan, and it's you know it's tailored for investment purposes. And you can see this, you know the the sectors right across uh, ag wholesale retail manufacturing professional technical information and health etc. So all of the um, the well known sectors have avail of this particular scheme. But you can see that in uh, the last week the um, credit guarantee scheme is likely to overtake the scheme both in terms of numbers of loans sanctioned and drawn, but also in terms of value sanctioned. So you can see that SMEs if you provide the right product with the right set of terms and conditions, SMEs will avail of it. That's 750 million. Most of that went out during COVID, um, during that particular pandemic. And it does show you that businesses are willing to invest if we provide the right products. So, this is just a summary slide, just to talk about the three uh, schemes involved. Um, you know, if you want to know more about any of the schemes, you can obviously. Um, Go directly to the SPCI website, or you can effectively follow us on social media. We're active on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And I'll pop up my email at the end of the presentation there. And if anybody wishes to contact me directly, uh, please feel free to do so. But I suppose, in summary, just to say that all of these schemes are available to family businesses. They are very valuable schemes in our in our view and the take up on the schemes de- certainly demonstrates that if you provide uh, an amount that's unsecured combined with a guarantee and a lower price you will definitely get the interest of SMEs and they will begin to take up uh, the schemes and really uh, we would look forward into 2022 um, developing new schemes we're going to look at things like energy efficiency for SMEs we're going to look at a retrofit scheme uh, and then, as I say, we're already conducting the review of the future growth loan scheme, with a view to um, you know to see if there is a replacement necessary for that uh, in 2022 or early 2023. So that's really all I have to say. Thank you very much for the opportunity,
1: John. Fantastic piece there, um, incredibly insightful for for so so many family businesses. Um, just to say as well, we, we will have a panel conversation later on. So. Um, I know many of you have questions about, you know, current operations of the SBCI, but also into the future. Um, you know, if we look at things what happened in Glasgow a couple of months ago, the whole energy efficiency, the green agenda is, is so, so relevant for, for many family firms. So it's understanding the SBCI today, but also into the future and what can our family firms expect uh, from the SBCI into the future. So we have a panel discussion a little later on, so stay, stay tuned for that. Uh, next, we have Lorraine Green. Uh, Lorraine is head of SME engagement with AIB and what makes AIB I suppose so unique is their largest um, bank on on the island of Ireland and I say the island of Ireland because they obviously have a presence both north and south uh, of the island so as I I said they have a presence both in northwest to Donegal down to, to west Cork so they are right across this country and dealing and working with family firms right across the country. So Lorraine, you might share some insights um, from from working with family business um, through this pandemic. And very interestingly as well, Lorraine was part of the, the research team uh, with us here in, in DCU when we undertook this study uh, last year uh, about understanding how family businesses like you, potentially on the call, uh, have survived or are surviving this crisis uh, today. So Lorraine, over to you, you might share some insights.
3: Great, thanks very much, Eric, and hello, everyone. Um, Today's uh, presentation by me, I'm actually going to go quite practical with it. Um, We know this is a really important time of the year for businesses, so thank you for joining us. Um, Of course, we're working through the layers of complexity of COVID and Brexit still with us, Um, and we recognise that AIB's role in that is to facilitate and fund and advise our customers as you're working through this period into recovery and growth as well. So I'm going to talk to you about three areas over the next couple of minutes. Um, Firstly, I'm going to talk about engaging with your bank when you're seeking funding, um, and whether that's short term or long term, uh, we want that to be as easy as possible for you. And then secondly, I'm going to talk about the types of support that are available and noting what John already spoke about from the SBCI's point of view. Um, So that's going to help you drive your business growth and, of course, manage your cash flow. And then thirdly, I'm going to speak uh, to some of the emerging opportunities and trends impacting on businesses. So I'll start with uh, seeking funding. Um, we want to, As I said, we want to continue to support our business customers through this period um, and with the growth of your business as well, of course. And in order to do that, you need to have your cash flow working for you. Um, and we want you to be successful in this and to be a partner with you in funding that. So in terms of the requirements that all lenders will need, including ourselves, I'll just give you a little bit of an overview of that today. Um, And it's really a story of three parts uh, because of the last 20 months. You know, you're talking about the before, during and after COVID. So part one, pre-COVID, as John mentioned, up until 2019 and the end of 2019, it was probably a normal trading year for you. Um, And your financials will show that to the bank of what your business can do when you're fully trading. So ideally, you're providing to us your audited accounts for 2019, and this is going to cover your P&L cash flow and balance sheet. Um, And you'll see throughout the three parts that I'll talk to here that the same documents are relevant. And, you know, I I know in talking to businesses, there's always a fear that they have to produce something for the bank. And most businesses are going to have these documents to hand themselves. It's not about preparing something additional uh, or new for the lender that you're working with. So in part two, it's about trading and working through COVID and how did you manage that? And we do understand that this was a really challenging time for all of us. And it's just about providing those financials and talking through it and us having the understanding that this was a once in a century event. Um, and it's talking about how you managed through that and talking about your own business story, um, you know, and how you how you supported that yourselves. So then how did you manage COVID impact um, from a revenue and revenue streams point of view? And how did you manage costs, including staff and uh, tax warehousing? Um, Of course, tax status is always really important to the bank. You'll be talking about did you avail of any government supports? Do you have a backlog of debtors who you owe money? And what is the plan to deal with that? Or do you have creditors who you owe money to? And then tell us about any CapEx that you um, might have done uh, to adapt or to allow for changes in your business model, um, who you financed them with and how you did that. So in summary, it's really the story of how you managed your own business through COVID. Um, And the more information that you can share and give to the bank, the easier it is for us to put your story forward and to get you that funding that you're seeking. And then part three is the future of your business, and that's 2022 and beyond. Um, So it's the same set of documents that I've mentioned, but it's with a future focus um, and that's forecasted profit and loss and your cash flow. Of course, as I said, confirmation of your current tax position as well and tell us what you are seeking and what you need for your business. Um, It's not about knowing what the actual product is yourself. It's just the purpose of the funding that you're seeking and we can do the rest for you. Um, So you'll be telling us about your own sector you're gonna be talking about the competition, your customer base um, and the concentration there and the supplier base. And you'll be speaking to your business needs and to the profile of your cash flow and we we'll work with you to choose the best financing options. And just as one of the things that came in, one of the questions uh, that came through from the registrants was in relation to bank reporting requirements uh, for large ticket debt. Um, And this will be commercially negotiated as part of a deal. Uh, However, just to to give a sense of it, you would be expecting to submit financials on a minimum yearly basis, providing management accounts and projections to ensure you're meeting any of the agreed covenants that might be put in place, such as interest cover or debt service cover. So on the second piece really it's availing of the the supports that avail that are available to you and you can see the types of working capital available and how they can be used. I've listed those for you in the presentation. So during the last quarter of each year, a lot of businesses will have chunky bills to pay and there are particular products that are really um, useful for this, such as prompt pay or insurance premium finance, and um, because they can uh, pay for the bill upfront, and then you smooth out the repayments over an 11 month period rather than using your overdraft, which John mentioned as well that Irish businesses tend to have a reliance on overdraft rather than using some of the other products that are available in the market. We have invoice uh, finance, also known as commercial debtor finance, and this is the SMEs who have a strong debtor book and we can finance and fund a percentage of a performing debtor book as well. And that can work quite well, um, you know, by getting you the cash in that little bit quicker. So secondly, is just a, a key opportunity to match your loan profile to the life of the assets and take the strain off the overdraft as well. So if you're seeking, you know, if you're looking to expand, if you're looking at machinery or or equipment, you might be looking at funding these through asset finance or leasing and repay that over the life of the asset. And that tends to be a three to five year repayment term. I know John mentioned that there are a couple of SBCI schemes available at the moment. Um, There are two there, and the Brexit Impact Loan Scheme actually with AIB, uh, it's one of our unique selling points of this particular scheme. You can actually go to up to 600,000 unsecured on the Brexit Impact Loan Scheme, um, which is is really um, of interest to a lot of businesses. And then finally, it's just to optimise those government supports um, that are there, you know, you look to your trade body, the membership organizations that you can be a part of in your own local communities, the chambers uh, that are there are 40 of those around the country, both north and south, uh, the local enterprise offices, depending on your size, you could be looking at Enterprise Ireland. And then, of course, Skillnet are really helpful. Um, if you've got some employees in the business, they could actually be um, funding some of their learning and development or even you as a manager. Um, so it's just looking at all of those different supports that you can go to. So uh, finally, on the broader opportunities that are emerging for businesses now, and I'll just touch on a couple of these at a high level. First, an obvious change has been the adoption of uh, digital capability by businesses and consumers, and that really is here to stay. Um, the move to online payments has been intense. AIB and our partners have provided a lot of support, um, you know, to onboard customers to provide that contactless payment um, technology. And then, of course, businesses themselves have moved at pace into that digital sales sites and this sales avenue and cash flow has been their lifeline. And many are telling us that they're going to continue in this new business model um, and ha- on their way of working. And then, of course, some businesses, as they always do, they've gone that little bit further. Um, for example, have development, developed full experiential websites and that's going to rem- remain as part of their um, core model. And in some cases, sales are back to higher than even pre-pandemic levels. I know something that our retail sector experts tell us about is the example of a furniture company selling sofas online and jewellers providing online services and trying on services. And that's something that would have been previously unheard of for products like this post pandemic or pre-pandemic should i say so that means really what that means for you is that customer expectations of course for the quality of how you deliver in a digital services channel are going to continue to evolve and can be a source of competitive advantage but it is about you know putting the investment into that to make sure that you're keeping up to speed And then, of course, AIB itself um, created the online journey for the government credit guarantee scheme last year, whereby customers can actually apply for funding online and in many instances complete the entire process uh, end to end, even signing the loan agreement online. Um, So the credit guarantee scheme is still available through AIB and it's a really um, slick service in, in terms of how quick it is as well. And I think Thomas will talk to us a little bit about that. And then another change that has continued at pace, really, um, and it's very topical at the moment, uh, that businesses are looking to more sustainable uh, business models. And this really for AIB has been the fastest growth area of our loan book in the last year. Um, Just to say, like, there has been a lot of focus on the climate and the environmental element of sustainability. And that can sometimes imply that this isn't a mainstream business agenda, but that's not the case at all. You know, sustainable practices within all sizes of business and all sectors is happening at an accelerated pace. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, And that would include, you know, regulation. um, But it's also being driven by bigger businesses wanting to what we call green their supply chain. Um, So even if you're a smaller business supplying into bigger businesses or you're working with the government sector, it's an immediate factor to consider in your own business model. And I think the easiest way really to start is this, it's a win-win, you know, change it for yourself within your own business. And there's things like light, water, heat, waste, um, and changes here will also be self-financing as well. Um, And of course, there are supports from AIB in terms of this and our our own sector teams have completed reports that have advice in them on where you can uh, look to in terms of help with your energy and your sustainability just to finish by saying that we do have multiple ways of contacting us that's either by phone or in the branch or on our website and we do have dedicated sector specialists and relationship managers who can provide advice and support to businesses to finance any of these changes and of course i'm contactable myself on linkedin or reach out to me directly i know lots of people know me already so thank you for that and back to eric now
1: Thanks very much Lorraine, um, really good nuggets of advice there and, and very well built on uh, the piece from John earlier on so really sincere thanks for that. Um, next up we have Thomas Kerrigan and Thomas is the MD of Nile Kerrigan and & Sons and what I thought would be very relevant to hear from Thomas in particular is um, Kerrigan & Sons have uh, received the Government Credit Guarantee Scheme and so Thomas you're very welcome um, and thank you for, for joining us today. Um, You might tell us a little bit, just to kick us off, you might tell us a little bit about uh, Nile Cargan & Sons, when it was founded, who founded it, and a little bit more about the business, if you don't mind, please.
4: Sure. Hi, Eric. Uh, uh, Hello, everybody. Uh, I suppose uh, we're a business that's been around quite a long time. Um, I'm the fourth generation uh, running the business at this stage. It started off around the 1860s by my great-grandfather. And basically, we are fresh produce growers, processors and distributors to the food service sector. Um, We're based in Lusk in North County Dublin, and I suppose we're in an area that's synonymous with uh, producing fresh vegetables and fruits, and uh, um, obviously a a long history of that taking place in this particular area. We've developed a business over over the years whereby we were traditional farmers growing a wide range of fresh produce. And in the 1980s, um, I set up the processing end of the business whereby we started to add value um, preparing that product going into uh, the food service sector. So that was a, a big change uh, in the 1980s and has served us very well uh, over the years. Uh, but I'm sure you'll appreciate over the last uh, 20 months or so, that's been a pretty difficult environment to begin.
1: Thomas, one thing that's uh, for a lot of people on the call today is the decision to join a family business. Um, so you obviously at some point uh, in your career made a conscious decision to join the, the family business. You might tell us a little bit about that decision to to get involved in, in your father's business.
4: Well, I suppose uh, like most people coming from a, a farming tradition, you tend to spend your summer holidays, your Easter holidays, Christmas time, those busy times, you're, you're always very much involved with what's going on in that environment and um, I was always very much involved in. Uh, from a very young age, in selling the product that we produced. And I was very much involved in that. In fact, there's a uh, photograph of me in, in the Irish Times from the 1977 showing me selling uh, potatoes along the side of the road uh, at, the, at the tender age of eight years of age. I'm not sure you get away with that today. But um, certainly, I suppose it was never something that I really uh, thought about doing anything else. It was uh, certainly you wanted to come back to that business and to develop it and to bring it on. And each generation generation in or in um, has made a mark on the business and I suppose we now have a fifth generation coming along that work in that business and uh, we're very much into encouraging them them to come back with new ideas, new approaches and new ways of uh, developing the business for the future.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point you make about leaving your mark or leaving your legacy and other family businesses we've spoken about this idea of continuing differently. How have you felt that pressure, um, I suppose, as a fourth generation member in your family business about taking your business and growing it, but ultimately continuing differently?
4: Well, I suppose that pressure is your own pressure. It's not that there's other family members putting that pressure on you. You really are so involved in your business and I suppose you're very much part of your community as well. And you realize the effect that an SME has in a rural area. You employ lots of local people, you spend your money locally in terms of supplies coming in. Um, and it's great to see the effect that that has, not just within your own business, but also the effect that it has on other businesses in your area. But certainly, I mean, we're very lucky. Uh, we live on the edge of uh, the, <laughs> a huge centre of population in, in Ireland. And it's a very fortunate position to be in that your market, uh, you have a huge market within 45 to, minutes to an hour from you. That is That creates a great deal of opportunity and potential for what you want to do. So we're, we're very fortunate from that perspective. We're right on that frontier of this, uh, the city living in Fingal. Um, it's one of the fastest growing parts of the, of the uh, country. Uh, but there's still a very significant number of horticultural farming food businesses based in the north county dublin area so there's like a little ecosystem there that we all can uh, work together and and feed off that you know that was
1: one thing i think it's fair to say for every family business and, and your family business included um our irish family businesses have been stress tested like for like never before uh, for, for many of them and one thing that's uh, the research we did last year showed that A lot of families actively pursued uh, state and and government assistance and I know your family business um, used the government credit guarantee scheme to great effect. You might tell us a little bit about uh, that experience of of using the scheme.
4: Well I suppose we we took the opportunity because business had practically fallen off a cliff, particularly in the early stages of lockdown, we took the opportunity to reevaluate where we were going to be post-COVID and because our production facility is normally under so much pressure. Uh, we decided that uh, it gave us an opportunity to revamp, to refurbish part of our production halls. And uh, I suppose that's where we went about availing of the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme um, through AIB because we had an opportunity that we were hopefully unlikely to ever have again for quite a long time, where we weren't under that uh, pressure. We could close down production because it was closed down anyway, and we could do a, a refurbishing project. It kind of went against the normal things that happen when you have a major slowdown in your business. Most of the time when you have a slowdown in business or a dramatic fall off, you tend to (laughs) pull in the horns. You tend to get very uh, concentrated on costs and making sure that you pull in everything very, very tightly, spend no money, keep it really as organized as possible and uh, to to get through that tough patch. But because of the opportunity with this uh, uh, credit guarantee scheme, it was um, very advantageous to avail of it to allow us to complete this project, um, and I have to say the application process that we went through with AIB was uh, seamless. It was very efficient and worked very well for us. And uh, that work has been completed. We have that work done, and we're certainly hoping for uh, for better times ahead that we can use the full potential of that uh, refurbishment.
1: Roughly, Thomas, how long between, say, applying for, for the scheme and then s- receiving funds, um, how long was the process, the application process, if you want to say?
4: Well, we, we had done a good bit of research beforehand. So we had made our mind up. I I had looked at what was available and what was going on. So it was no more than a two week period uh, in terms from the, okay. the application process to receiving uh, the funding, uh, which. Was, now, that sounds extremely fast, but I had obviously done, done a lot of legwork beforehand before submitting that application. So, um, But in fairness, the, the application process in this was, AIB has certainly put a lot of effort into this. Uh, they certainly had organized it really well in terms of making the application. Um, and as somebody who's made lots of applications to <laughs> financial institutions through the years, um, this was as well run as I've ever seen it done. You know absolutely, and the fact that you know there is no personal guarantees needed here up to two hundred and fifty thousand euro, um, that makes a huge difference for for SMEs, a, a huge difference. You know, and uh, and it was it's competitive lending, uh, it's as competitive as you'll get in the marketplace, if not better. And uh, certainly from that perspective, um, the length of time we took it out over a maximum five and a half years. And um, we're we're, we're happy to do that, you know, but I was very impressed with it. And uh, it certainly has allowed us to um, make great use of um, a a premises that needed refurbishment and at a time that you may not have done it because you might have said, look, we better wait till things improve. In this situation, you could go ahead and do it with comfort.
1: You mentioned there you worked with AIB and the SBCI. Was the decision to work with AIB, because I'm just mindful that some people on the call today um, we'll be kind of like, where, how do I get started in this? So you worked with AIB, obviously, because you mentioned there that they're, they're your, your bank. Was that the decision itself or, or, or how did that process start? Uh,
4: uh, no, it wasn't because I actually went and did some research uh, just to see, could could we do better anywhere else? Or was it a, an easier process? Or was it something that, you know, where are we getting the best package in terms of working with AIB? and um, And I suppose that's reflective in the amount of, finance that has been run through uh, AIB in terms of this uh, credit guarantee scheme. They have taken taken a huge percentage of the overall market uh, of that finance that's been uh, allocated. And that's, I suppose, reflective of the application process. They've made it uh, as straightforward as possible. It's efficient. And um, certainly I was very impressed with it. You know That is not the case with everybody that's been running this scheme.
1: One thing, obviously, Thomas, you're a fourth generation family business. Um, how would you describe your investment strategy?
4: Well, I suppose uh, because of the nature of our business, you're constantly investing. Um, But I suppose uh, from our experience over the years that uh, first, the most important thing to us is productivity. So if you can see an opportunity whereby making yourself more uh, productive, uh, that there is a return from that, that justifies um, investment. And very often you will have if you're making significant investments, we would have conversations with uh, some of our larger customers in particular, ones that are with us very, very long periods of time to see what their needs are going to be going into the future. So obviously a lot of your investment strategy will be determined by the fact of what your customers are saying to you and what their plans are for the future. Um, are they going to grow? Are they looking at us to increase production? Uh, but certainly anywhere there's the opportunity for us to in- improve productivity, uh, by producing the same or more, by using less resources, we always see that as uh, an opportunity to invest into our business. Um, There's certainly, uh, I'm not a a great believer in borrowing just for the sake of borrowing. I think you borrow with a very strategic reason. You borrow to invest in your business to allow you to get a return on your capital invested. And um, you, you need to see that return on your capital invested, There's no point investing just for the sake of it. And you, you, like very often you have customers come to say, well look, we'd like you to produce more. Yes, but that's not just the conversation you need to have as well, at what price, at what volumes or what term. So before you start making long-term investments, uh, you really need to know what your customers are going to, uh, what way they're going to work with you for the future. But one thing is for sure, we have to produce uh, more from less and productivity is our number one concern at all times were there any
1: concerns raised uh, Thomas with regard to using the the, the scheme itself from either of yourself or from other family members
4: No because again we had a we had done our uh, we we're, we're seasoned business people so we um, this is a good offer this is a good deal it's a fair offer it's the state taking on a deg- degree of the risk with you it it's quite unique um, and particularly for small Um, enterprises like ourselves. Generally family businesses are reluctant to borrow, we're conservative by nature um, and we tend to be careful when we do borrow, Um, but certainly there's one thing for sure that when you borrow effectively and borrow well, and particularly if you borrow at competitive interest rates, it acts like a rocket under the growth of your business. It offers huge potential, you could grow much faster. Uh, If you want that, that's not every business wants that, but certainly as a family business, uh, a certain degree of borrowing is very healthy for it and helps to uh, build up the potential of that business very quickly. Thomas, really,
1: really insightful words Um, and and thank you for sharing first your story but also your experience of of using the the state supports. Um, We've got some time now and I think hopefully you agree there's been a synergy there between John, Lorraine and then Thomas uh, sharing his story now. Uh, we've got some time towards the end here just to have a panel discussion. And what we've done is when, when you've registered for this um, webinar, we ask you what questions do you want to ask our panelists? And we have the list of the questions here. And I'm just gonna work through some of the questions and, and feel them to our, our, our panelists itself. And, and we, as I said, we've got a little bit of time here uh, to, to ask some questions. So um, Lorraine, Thomas, and John, you're very welcome uh, to the panel. And thank you for sharing your insights uh, earlier. Um, Thomas, I'm going to kick off with with you again, um, just to build on that, because I I think um, you raised the point which was very insightful, topical, um, but um, how easy uh, is it or was it to get finance from mainstream banks
4: um, itself? I would say over the last few years, it had become increasingly difficult. Um, I think you it was a very long, tedious process like the process under the, the scheme here at the through AOA with SBCI funding was so speedy compared to what has been happening generally in the marketplace uh, certainly uh, there is there, it, it, it's, it's certainly not straightforward going out as an SME to borrow, and uh, you certainly need um, you need strong accounts going out there to borrow and that's my, my personal experience you know.
3: Yeah, I think I'd nearly add to that as well, Eric and Thomas, just to say that um, no two businesses are alike. So from the bank's point of view, we like to um, get to know the business um, and get to know the business well. And the more information a business can give us, uh, as I said earlier, the easier it is for us to put their case forward um, and get them that funding. the, the credit guarantee scheme happens to be one that we've done an online journey with. And it's something that we would hope to do in the future for um, other types of products within the bank. Um, but that is certainly um, a journey that has worked well for us. And we would hope to replicate that again in the future. Um, but we're not there yet. And we will continue to try and work on it like like businesses do. We have to work on our own business as well. And to try and make that process a little bit easier for our business customers,
1: John. And just to build on that word of the yeah. future and, and the long long term, and um, from the SBCI's yeah. perspective, um, any insights on that?
2: Yeah, I suppose um, maybe just have a, a little look back for a couple of years and then go forward. You know, uh, Eric, on this, um, the the whole concept of risk sharing is actually only about four years in existence in Ireland. Uh, we introduced the scheme back at the beginning of 2017 purely on the agri side, just to see if that scheme would would run, um, and it took off very quickly. And since then, we've introduced the future growth loan scheme, which is 800 million, almost fully subscribed. Um, the between the Brexit loan scheme and the Covid working capital scheme, about another 200 million fully, you know, subscribed in there. And with the credit guarantee scheme, we're now up to three quarters of a billion in sanctioned loans there. So. I suppose what we've learned is that, you know, what was traditionally a way of banking across Europe and a very successful way of banking across Europe, which was the provision of risk sharing facilities to allow SMEs to grow, was not here and it it actually wasn't here or in the UK. So the introduction of risk sharing, I think, has changed the landscape a little bit um, and it has made access to finance somewhat easier for SMEs. Um, I will not say it's easy because, as Thomas said, you still have to have all your ducks in a row and your your figures and everything sorted before you go in the door of your bank. But you know that idea that there is a guarantee in place that will actually reduce the risk for both the bank and the SME is definitely um, an assist uh, to SMEs in accessing finance, which is one of the key things that we were set up to do. With regard to the future, we believe that there are many risk sharing opportunities. Um, we're actually at this moment in time trying to construct An energy efficiency scheme particularly aimed at SMEs who want to actually change their business and to you know to make them uh, climate friendly climate neutral you know carbon neutral um and to actually move towards this um you know green agenda net zero by 2050 this kind of um so we're going to have a pilot scheme probably available in the second quarter of next year to allow that to happen. And then there will be more energy retrofits, which may even actually extend into the consumer side um, of the, the business, which will be a first for us as well. But as well as that, we know that the long-term scheme, the future growth loan scheme, that's seven to 10 year money hit a really sweet spot with SMEs. And we saw, as you say, three and a half thousand of them available and actually We've seen AIB having to close earlier than the scheme expiry date um, because of the demand for that seven to ten year money. So we're well informed at this point in terms of what we need to do next. It's now a question of accessing the appropriate supports from Europe, particularly through the European Investment Bank and the EU Commission, to allow us to bring those products to market, to allow SMEs continue to grow and invest optimally in their businesses.
1: Ryan as, as I mentioned, AIB has obviously presence right across the country here. Um, what financial concerns from family business leaders, whether it's the CFO or not, what concerns financially um, are you seeing from family businesses?
3: I think at the moment, Eric, what we're seeing really is um, it's a broad economic concern. You've got like the macro environment right now where you're seeing inflation in Ireland at almost 5%. Um, in the UK and of course the US is is substantially higher as well so you know all sectors are affected by this and it means that um, consumer sentiment will change um, so it's like for the last couple of months what we've really seen is uh, business is saying look I'll look into 2022 and we'll see what happens then and then I'll start my investment strategy but the problem with continuing to put off an investment strategy is that there will always be something happening in a from a macroeconomic point of view um particularly we've been going through the pandemic now for 20 odd months um but businesses as you've seen Thomas say and part of our research as well he took that step back uh, to reassess his business and then availed of funding to make his business even more um, optimal and working harder in the future so there are opportunities out there it's just it, it's balancing that piece of you know fear of what's happening the unknown and then also concentrating on your business and what do your customers want and watching out for what's happening um in your market in your sector.
1: Thomas being a, a family business um, and seeking finance as a family business is different um, different to a multinational and different to a a private firm that's not a family firm. Um, what advice do you have for family business leaders when starting on a journey of seeking finance?
4: Well, I suppose, there's, a, as I said earlier, there's a great reluctance among family businesses to borrow. They like to do it from within their own resources. But I actually think that's not the best thing to do. I think you should, sometimes as business owners, we kind of feel as if we take on a project and we Before we pass on to the next generation, we want to make sure that that money is paid back, that we don't hand on a liability for the future, and all of those kind of things. I actually think that um, that is probably not the best policy. I think you should uh, constantly be engaging with your with your bank, and I don't mean borrowing all the time, but I'm just saying that uh, any family business should be in a routine of borrowing money every number of years for a particular project, whatever. And doing it from from within your own resources, I would suggest is not the best thing to be doing. Get into the habit of borrowing even just a little bit of money and keeping that contact uh, with banks and everything else. But as I say, there is that reluctance among family businesses. I, I certainly think you should engage with a lender that is understands your sector uh, or wants to understand it. And because you're in it for the long haul, to make sure that your lender is also in it for the long haul with you. And that's really important particularly in the environment we're in at the moment where we have uh, a number of uh, contenders, uh, particularly one big one, Ulster Bank pulling out of the system at the moment and they would um you know we we certainly need people that are with financial institutions that are there for the long haul. Um it causes causes great disruption to uh, uh any business, but particularly a family business when uh, when we are left with Uh, a bank moving out of the system as what's happening shortly. So I would say to any uh, family business, don't be afraid of borrowing. Obviously don't borrow excessively, uh, but I think you can put it to very good use. And I also think it motivates a business. I think it spurs you uh, as a a, a business into performing a little bit better. A little bit of debt on the books is, is a good thing. It makes a business perform in my opinion that little bit stronger over the uh the longer term
1: right just to build on something thomas just said there a little bit of debt on the books is a good thing uh, from a banking perspective tell us a bit about that the importance of debt on the balance sheet
3: yeah of course so as thomas said it's not about borrowing for the sake of it either you know you do have to have a reason so um coming into aib or any other lender and you're saying oh, i'd like a bit of debt um You won't get it for no reason. So I was mentioning earlier about if you're looking, say, if you have a tax bill at the end of the year, you might want to take out um, prompt pay and pay that over the 11 months. If you're looking at more of a long-term investment piece, um, maybe you're you're, uh, re-looking at your premises and you're trying to extend that, Um, then you're taking debt onto the balance sheet. It's not something that you're going to be able to probably save up for as quickly as you would like to. So by taking on the debt and having that on the balance sheet, you can then spread those payments over um, a period of time and it just smooths it out for you as well. But it also makes you, uh, it gives you the ability to grow quicker uh, rather than either having to save up for a long period of time or else not even doing the project in the first place. And, you know, and that that's kind of the risk piece that, that you need to, you know, you're, you're looking at it, risk accepting That, do I stay where I am? And that's perfectly fine. It depends on the business and the strategy that you have. But if you do want to grow, then taking on debt is probably something that you do need to be looking at.
1: All right. One thing, obviously, with with every crisis, it breeds opportunity. And we've seen that in our society for for many decades. Um, For family businesses across the country, um, they see opportunity, they've had to change their bricks-and-mortar style, many have moved online, maybe have looking sourcing product from different parts of the world. But what current uh, funding sources are available for for growth for family businesses in this environment today?
3: Yeah, so I think a lot of what John spoke about there earlier um, in terms of the SBCI, the two schemes that we have at the moment. You've got the credit guarantee scheme, which is five and a half years. So if you've been impacted by COVID, um, it's certainly a good one to look for the Brexit Impact Loan Scheme, which has just been um, launched maybe two months ago with AIB. Um, If you are Brexit impacted, but you are looking to invest and um, see what what is around the corner for your business, then you would certainly be looking to those. The the funding market um, has changed in that there are a lot of alternative lenders there at the moment. I know Thomas mentioned that uh, we have two large competitors that are leaving the market. Um, but just to say that we aren't leaving the market anytime soon. We are very committed to the Irish market. Um, you will see alternative lenders come in there and they certainly serve a purpose at a point in time as well. Um, but yeah, of course, it's it's important to um, have that relationship and um, get to know your bank. And as I said, you don't need to know what product You don't need to know the name of a product yourself. It's about having that conversation or looking up the information. There's a lot of different information on our website as well, which might help you um, when you're assessing what you're looking for.
1: Folks, the title of our webinar today is Accessing Financial Supports for Your Family Business. If you were to give one piece of advice to family businesses on this webinar, what one piece of advice would it be? Thomas, can I come to you first, please?
4: Um, Look, things have been difficult for the last uh, while, um, but it won't won't always remain like this. And I would say prepare for the future, prepare for change, prepare for growth, get ready for a very changed environment. And the the macro figures coming through in our economy are pretty extraordinary at the moment. So that will feed down to family business if it hasn't already done so, depending what sector you're in. I think we're, I, my words would be prepare for the future, prepare for growth. John, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, from, from my viewpoint, I suppose it is, it's to build on that and just to say to prepare your investment strategy and figure out what you want to try and do and how do you remain competitive generally by investing? And it's around how do you fund that investment? Um, what's the mix? Uh, some of your own funding and uh, a portion of debt added to that will make it um, far more optimal in terms of your ability to grow and you know, take the opportunities that are presented as the economy expands and recovers. And Lorraine, last word to you.
3: Thanks, Eric. Um, so for family businesses, I know as part of the research that uh, we contributed to, um, there was a piece in, in there that talked about taking a step back and having a look at your business and seeing where you're at um, and seeing what the next steps for for your business are. And it's really important that family businesses do that periodically and not just when, you know, some existential crisis happens, um, that they're reviewing how they're uh, investing, what the future is going to hold for them. Maybe not being afraid of uh, of change, and um, the word that we've all come to use a lot recently is pivoting. Um, but it doesn't mean entirely changing your whole strategy. It might just be adding on a new revenue stream to the business that you've already been in. So it's to take that step back and have a look and and see where you where your business future is going to be and where your family is going to be. folks
1: well, so we've come to the, the end of time on this. Um accessing financial supports webinar. I'd just like to express my sincere thanks to John Madigan of the SBCI, Lorraine Green of AIB, and Thomas Kerrigan of Niall Kerrigan & Sons. Folks, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed it as you have your uh, morning coffee. It's given you some food for thought, uh, for lots of opportunities with regard to current uh, available resources and resources into the future. And then even hearing from Thomas uh, Kerrigan, a family business who's been there and done that. Um, I know a lot of you will kind of go, listen, really lo- love to read more about that. I'd like to see those slides. We will make the slides uh, available for you. And if you have any questions or comments, whether it's for the SBCI or for AFB itself, uh, we will share their contact detail with you. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you on a future webinar into the future. So from me on behalf of the National Centre for Family Business uh, here in DCU, I wish you and your family businesses a very healthy and happy Christmas to you. Thank you very much and bye-bye.
0: The DCU National Centre for Family Business have produced this podcast in association with the National Forum for the Enhancement of Teaching and Learning in Higher Education and AIB Bank. Follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn using the hashtag Family